We're back after a week off. Was it nice to have a Wednesday off? It uh, was. You know what's so funny? I came right here and I stood here for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly like 9.01. And I said, oh, we have a day off. But I got all prepped and ready. I got my coffee and everything. And I came to the desk and I sat oh. here. I was all early. Today I was two minutes late. Well, that's awesome. To make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in a cabin uh, last Wednesday. Didn't even think about you guys. No offense or anything. Aww. But uh, didn't even think Hardly about Hardly offended at all. <laughs> Good. We you went to... Oh, you, you finish. I'll tell you something. I say we went to this uh, this cabin on a lake. It's like a couple hours from here, hour and a half, something like that. And it was beautiful. It was out in the middle of nowhere. How and was the weather? Was it extremely cold? Or it you was rainy. Mild, yeah, it was rainy and cold. It was definitely like a, hey, I'm going to stay inside this nice cabin kind of, you know. But it was it wasn't terrible. It was just chilly and wet, so it wasn't like a lot to do outside. But I mean, this place was—I don't even know how tall it was because it was on the side of a hill, looking out over a lake. So you know, you walk in at what is ground level, but then as you walk through the house, the ground sinks away and the house gets taller. So by the time you get to the backside of it and you're on the first, the top floor deck. Looking down over the water, you're like seventy five hundred feet off the water. Ooh, so it was the house awesome. is plugged into like a big mountainside or a yeah. hillside. Yeah, nice. Um, so we had these like two decks stacked on top of each other. There's like a giant room with a pool table. We made up a game, a pool game, which was really fun. Um, and yeah, it was a great weekend. But the the <clears throat> place itself was super nice. It was a really nice cabin we found on Airbnb. And it made me want a cabin. <laughs> Uh-oh. But, yeah, I'm not going to get a cabin. You can build one. I'm, I might build one. got a place one. to build one. I might one of these days. But anyway, so we did that this weekend, and, or last week, I guess, and it was it was fantastic. Anyway, what were you going to say, Jimmy? Oh, no, nah, it's totally lost in the moment. But I was going to say that when I walk up to the mic and I realize we have the day off, I have a secret hour and a half that I don't have to tell anybody what I'm doing because mm. everybody thinks I'm doing the podcast. So my people in my environment don't bother me. And so I, I had one and a half hours to just go and play and do what I wanted. And then everyone starts, oh, is your podcast over? Is your podcast over? Like 11, I start getting the calls. So, <laughs> well, what did you do with your hour and a half? I forgot. <laughs> it was that good. It was, it was that good. <laughs> no, I probably went out to the shop and dilly-dallied around with no phone calls or text messages coming in or out. So it's just a little, a little secret hour and a half that I usually get when we don't have the, the day on. Cool. I don't know if you have the luxury of doing so, but I have my phone on Do Not Disturb from, uh, I think, 1030 at night all the way to 6 p.m. the next day. And the only calls that come through or only texts that come through are my brother and Kelly. Mm. Everybody else, like if you try to call and you call multiple times. Um, the phone will allow it to come through thinking it might be an emergency, but I get, I get, I just handle all my texts in the evening after work. Hmm. Yeah, if I, if I don't answer right away, people, because they know me, my pattern is like, are you okay? I texted you like eight seconds ago. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I get one of those. That's it's not so bad. As long as I knock them down as they come in. And it's most often, it's usually Howard, my, my partner. We, 
just chit tick text through the day. And if things get serious, that's what I know. When he picks up the phone and calls me, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a crisis, or we just made a lot of money. This is either one of the <laughs> <laughs> Really good or really bad? <laughs> but then it's also, <clears throat> you know, my family, we have an ongoing text. My, my dad, I, just to clarify, my dad's okay. I, I went and saw him, and a lot of people on Instagram thought that maybe I was, I was making uh, you know, more of a serious thing. My, my dad, is, is, he's taken ill a few times. He's 83, and... When he gets sick, he gets these slight bouts of dementia. And so it's happened to him twice since Thanksgiving. He gets like a fever and he gets these. And so he was in the hospital for about six or seven days recently. And when he got out, I went to go see him the other day and I did a little Instagram story on him. So my dad's just getting, he's just getting up there and was starting to clean up his house. His house is pretty messy, pretty messy for a hoarder. And so, in fact, it's not messy. My dad is very neat, but he's got about, he's got about, 5,000 pounds of stuff in a house that should hold about 500 pounds of stuff. So, mm-hmm. Put it to that way. But it's all neatly organized, and it doesn't. he doesn't need it. So we're slowly going over there and taking stuff away and giving stuff away. Mm-hmm. There might even be a call to action soon if you live in Long Island. If anybody's looking for a rusty old drill that's been out in the rain, my dad's got about 40 of them. <laughs> if there's anybody on Long Island that wants a leaf blower that's probably been snowed on 40 times, he's got about 80 of them. So you could see you could see where I'm headed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Gotcha. He has multiples of everything. So, but my dad's good. He's just, good. He's just showing his age. Yeah. So it happens. Good. Happens yeah. to all of us. Well, what do you guys? Uh, what you guys been into last well, since couple I, of weeks? Since I got the mic, I'm working on my boat, my Carolina shoe boat, uh, the one that I'm building from scratch, and then. Patrick Reynolds and I took on this boat. His brother works with the company Blue Point Brewery, and that's how we got the gig. And Blue Point Brewery is on Long Island. And they have these roving bar units that are an old boat, like an old fisher boat, fisherman's boat, on a fixed onto a trailer, and they show up at an event. And the awnings automatically go up with an electrical uh, cam, and then it becomes a mobile bar unit. The boat never comes off the trailer. They're fixed on the trailer, but... The one that we just got recently was the one in the worst shape. It's about 10 years old, and it's been out in the weather. So we volunteered for pay to take it on, take the project on, and get to know the company. And so this is our first project with them. might be the beginning of more doing sort of mobile advertising type things. So we took on this project, and we ripped it apart yesterday. And it's a lot of total boat chemicals going to go into this one, patching holes and fixing construction the boat came and it was peeling apart the whole back boat i should know the names of these parts of the boat the bow the stern the stern the whole stern part is ripped open the boat is hanging so it's a lot of construction stuff but the good thing is is that it doesn't have to float it's all cosmetic and construction stuff so we're working on that and then we got to bring it up to a finish that's going to look pretty for presentation so it's kind of like it's like a bullet bourbon project for me but Mm. with a different brand and uh, besides that, just everything's going good. We got a big snowstorm here a couple of days ago. I could always tell when I wake up in the morning, it's like seven or six or seven in the morning, and it's totally quiet. Mm-hmm. I remember opening up, opening up my eyes and thinking, it's either, like, well, I was, became awake, but my eyes were closed. So I said, it's either five in the morning where there's a foot of snow outside. I can't really tell. And then I kind of <laughs> open my eyes and I see a little bit of light coming through the shades, and I'm like, it's got to be snow because it's light enough out. <laughs> and then I pull the shades up and it's like a winter wonderland. It was cute. That was Monday morning, I think. 
We have not really gotten any snow. I'm, and, and I think uh, all the stuff that everybody up north is going to get in the next day or whatever, we're going to miss it all. It's just rain. <laughs> yeah. I just looked at the app and the snow is coming this way. Yeah. Dave, you said it's snowing there now, right? Yeah. We are, uh, they're expecting things to shut down later today. So it just started snowing about an hour ago. Oh, boy. Because the wisp on the map looks as wispy here as it does where you are. So we're probably going to get the same amount of snow. I got a new snowblower this season, and I want to use it just one time. So I'm hoping I, I just want to test it out, and then I want winter to be over with. I saw your video. I'm like looking, um, trying to find. Let me start over. I'm trying to find my recommendation video because I have a really good one for today. But looking through my history, I saw your video on your second channel uh, about unsubscribing. <laughs> yes, and I liked it. I mean, I liked the. It was like, it was a clear way to say, like, here are my intentions. Yeah. It wasn't, like, sensational, you know, but it was like, here's the, here's the intention. I understand that this is not, you know, for everybody. I thought it was really good. So I'd Thank just... you. Yeah, the uh, the last video that I put out my second channel was the engine building video. And it's getting, it's got, like, 1.8 million views. And that brought in a lot of new subscribers. But I think... Uh, what I want the channel to be is going to be a disappointment to a lot of those people that came in through that video. And so the purpose of the video was to say, this is what we're going to do. Um, if you came here for engine building stuff, you're going to be disappointed and you can find that content elsewhere. So uh, we've got a couple other videos shot for the, the second channel. I have a, this cabinet in the house that I made on the main channel a year or so ago and the veneers came off because i did it wrong so i got a video coming out on how i fixed that i got a video coming out on uh using the resin printer for making little bins for screws and stuff like why a woodworker would use a little resin printer and it goes through super quick it's just using fusion and printing it out and how it helps me stay organized and then there's like a couple other little ones and I just want to, uh, we might do a little vloggy type stuff, like behind the scenes as we're, as we're shooting very low effort type stuff. I don't want to put in a lot of energy cause that channel's not going to make much money. So I want to focus where, uh, it's going to help the business, but there's some things I just want to get out and put out there. So they'll go on the second channel. So thank you. Yeah. Um, well, let's see for me. I do have some things that I'm working on. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I got totally <laughs> distracted. What have you been working on? Uh, so uh, um, we finished up the lava lamp video, and I'll try to show you guys here. But um, I, took an old lava, I, yeah, <laughs> wow. I took an old lava lamp, and I, I gutted it, and then I made this, like, cocoon-type thing out of Is wood. Is it all wood? This is all wood here, yeah. So that's all carved out on the sides. I got a big hole in the front where the belly of the lamp sticks out. On the sides is carved a bunch of little holes for light to shine through. Part of it's painted. And then I use clay and epoxy to make it look like lava was bursting yeah. out of the glass <laughs> onto the table. And then I added a light up top. So it's a lava lamp plus a regular light. And then made a lampshade out of wood. And it looks like, um, like a... It's supposed to be like a mushroom spots, like a trippy yeah. mushroom spot. So it's all it's supposed to be very psychedelic. And this looks like it should be in like on the counter of a mellow mushroom. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that no, was the, the pizza place. Yeah. Haven't been there in a while. <laughs> <clears throat> and that project took way too long. For how small it is, it took forever. Like, oh. yeah, it was, um, there was at least five days of shooting for that. My bathroom vanity, which is this huge piece, took way less time than it took for this <laughs> tabletop lamp. So we finished that up, and that video will be next. It's almost it's almost done. And then we started Rebound. Are you familiar with the, the tabletop game Rebound? Mm-hmm. It's oh, like yeah. shuffleboard, but it's got uh, it banks off the end and comes back around to another lane. Mm-hmm. And so I picked one of those up at the Antique Mall a month ago, and I'm remaking that out of wood. And um trying to trying to respect the original design so because it's all plastic and so mine i'm trying to keep with the original design and and 3d print the the bumpers that go on the little ball bearings that that move the ball bearings that are inside the little hockey puck of plastic exactly yeah i remember those yeah and i am um i'm 3d printing the the, the rings, those little bumpers that go on the ball bearings, but then I'm going to use silicone mold to make them all at the same time. And I thank you for mentioning a couple of weeks ago that resin has to be completely and fully cured before being used in a mold. So did a little bit of research there. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm... I, <clears throat> I'm really enjoying the uh, just the remaking ordinary objects into into other things. It's challenging, and they usually take longer than I expect. But the the outcome has been very satisfying. Awesome, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how that game turns out. I, I had when you showed that in the video, the plastic version. I don't think I had ever seen that game before. Mm. Wasn't something I was familiar with. So that's cool. We were talking about on our retreat. We were making up this pool game at, at the pool table. And <clears throat> Anthony was talking about uh, Bumper Pool. Did you ever play Bumper Pool? Never played Bumper Pool. Oh, man. Like We had a table. My dad always came home with wacky stuff because he, he's like me, buys junk. And we, when we were kids, he had a Bumper Pool table. He oh. got somewhere. And it was around for about five years. Then one day it was gone. He bought it and sold it. Hmm. Yeah, I played a little bit as a kid, and Anthony was saying that he had found one on Marketplace or something, you know, recently. And it's one of those things that it's, David, if you don't know, it's a small pool table with these little posts sticking out of it with rubber bumpers around them. They're circular posts. And then there's holes in the table, if I remember. They're not on the corner, are they? I think they're in the table. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time. But, you know, it's you try to get all of your balls in the other hole on the opposite side, but you have to go around the bumpers and stuff. It's just a, a variation on the game. Um, but it was one of those things that as soon as we started talking about it, I'm like, oh, how would you make a bumper pool table? Hmm. Oh, nice. You know, and I don't think I will, but... <clears throat> It'd go it alongside Jimmy's about. pool table, though. That's true. If you release those both at the same time, they would they would definitely feed off of each other. Yeah. Oh, there's one. Yeah. 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 So it's like a goal at each end. Yeah. In the middle. And a cross in the middle. Um, yeah, but that'd be a fun one if you're, if you're looking for, we, uh, so, um, I think we've, we've mentioned it on the main show here. We are looking for a cottage to buy and to do short-term rentals on a lot of these things that I'm making now are going to end up in that place. And I, we have a regular pool table here that belonged to my dad and it never, it never gets used. So we're hoping to find a place that's big enough where we could 
take the pool table too. And so when people are renting it out, they have things to do. The rebound game is going to go there. I plan on doing uh, a Bob Claggett style arcade cabinet, something that would go in there. So I want to build a lot of things that are activity based that people could use when they when they rent out the cabin. So it's kind of we haven't found a place yet, but we are getting prepared for it. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, let's see. For me. A couple things. Oh, so last week, this is just a personal note. Last week I um, was really missing my white Land Cruiser. And, you know, I, it's been still, out of commission. Still no motor. <laughs> it's been out of commission since July, I think. Oh, wow. January, July, something like that. And the guy told me it was like, oh, it'll probably be like six weeks. And every time I've called since then, which has been every two months, I try not to bother him too much. He's like, yeah, just waiting on the machine shop, just waiting on the machine shop there, you know. And then I called him in November and he's like, well, racing season's over, so now they should have more availability. And, you know, so mid-January, I'm like, I've kind of had enough. Like, I really want my car back. And so I call the guy with the intention of being like, look, we need to find another machine shop or I'm going to pay you for your work and I'm going to take the whole thing back and then I'm going to go find some, I don't know, I'm gonna figure something out. And so I call and he's like, hey. I'm like, okay, nothing's happened because he didn't say anything. So I'm like, well, I, you know, I know that you, know, you said you would let me know when something happened, so nothing's happened and I want it. And he was like, oh, actually, yeah, they picked it up like two weeks ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so <laughs> apparently... Machine Shop has had the motor for two weeks and said that they usually take three to six weeks to completely rebuild because they machine every surface and they they do a really great now, job. Now, you have in the motor, that, the replacement motor rebuilt? Yes, not right. the, the C-Swing. Which runs it, already. But I believe just, so. It ran when it came out. Yeah. yeah. So you're so, just making sure you're going to have a real chooched up motor. Yeah. Um, but he, they'd had it for about two weeks, and he said it takes them three to six. So... Hopefully in another four weeks or so. That's even an extra little generous time. Now, is the is the Land Cruiser still sitting in your driveway? Yep. Waiting for its heart <laughs> transplant? Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And I went out the other day, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's he's going to want it soon. I guess I'll charge the battery up just to make sure that the battery's, you know, it's got something in it. It won't charge because it's been sitting so long. So... I'm going to have to take it in. It's like a brand new battery, but I'm going to take it in and make sure that it's fixable. I hope it hasn't drained too far to to where it's dead, but whatever. Anyway, it's exciting for me, and I actually had like a legitimate, like, it was like seeing an old friend that you haven't seen in a really long time. It was that feeling of, oh, man, like, awesome. Like, (laughs) it's it's in the near future, and I know that's so silly to have that kind of a feeling about a car, but... I don't know. Like it's a it's a thing that I really enjoy, and so I'm pretty excited that it's almost back. And I, I, I think part of, half of that is like that I really like the car, and the other half is we've basically been sharing a car for six months. And uh-huh. you know, even though I have the other green cruiser, it works sometimes. Uh, it, the headlights don't work, so I can't drive it at night. You know, there's there's like it's useful, but it's not reliable. And so I think. The big part of it is just having something reliable again. What were you going to say, David? Well, first of all, we've uh, we've been sharing a car for about a month now. Kelly's car broke down. She ordered a new car a couple of months ago, 
and she was uh, she had this choice of like paying fifteen hundred dollars to get it fixed or just selling it to the dealer and we share a car until her new one comes in. So she sold it to the dealer and so we are just waiting on her new car to to arrive. So every every day I'm taking her to work and picking her up and doing all uh, all the all the errands and stuff. So yeah. I can I can sort of feel what you're going through except minus four kids. But is it um does Van nice that? Does he have a land? Is is what he drives mm-hmm. a Land Cruiser? Because I think he took it across the country to go get a new engine or something like yeah. that a while back. Yeah, he's got a sixty series, I believe, and okay. mine are a forty series and an eighty series. So the white one is an eighty series. Gotcha. Yeah. So right. he has a little love affair with 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 his Land Cruiser owners. Love their Land Cruisers. Yes, they really do. And it's weird because I mean we've talked about this a bunch of times, but I. My entire life, I've never been a person that, like, a car is a car, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like, it goes from place to place. And I always kind of laughed at people who were just, like, super into their car. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but I kind of get it now. So, mm-hmm. anyway. But I'm excited that that thing is is in the near future, which is really cool. And I think one of the things that I'm excited about that is – once I have a reliable way to get around, I feel like I'll have a little bit more freedom to mess with the green one. Because right now, like, I want to drive the green one to places that I need to get, but I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to touch anything because I don't want to make it undrivable, you know, in the short term. So there's, like, some electrical problems that I, I think I understand how to bypass and, and fix, but I don't want to mess with it because yeah. I don't want to kill it. So, Do you have mm. more cars than Jimmy now? Uh, I doubt that very seriously. <laughs> not per capita, you know, like per person in my house. Absolutely not. Um, that reminds me of, of I. So I threatened this a couple times already on different podcasts. But in uh, when the year I turned thirty, I wanted a car. So that was I'm fifty five now. So that's twenty five years ago. I wanted a car. I wanted my dream car. At the time, my dream car was a 76 Eldorado convertible. So I pulled together $20,000 in cash, and I went out and I found one. My buddy, who's a real car nut, he found the perfect car for me in Connecticut. 1976 Eldorado convertible, and I bought that in 97. $20,000, it had 1,200 miles on it when I bought it. It was brand new. Still had the sticker on the window and everything. It was a brand new car that was that many years old. And I bought it from a collector who had 10 of them. And I put up to 6,000 miles on it. So by the time I was done with the car, I was about 7,000 miles on it. And I sold it to my buddy in 2004 for $20,000. And that's the same summer I bought this house. So I used some of that money to buy this house. And it was really a no money down buy, but just have an extra cash in my pocket. You know, everything was transitioning. And at the time when I sold that car, it was pretty much all the money I had. I had gotten my last paycheck from the guy who I was consulting with for about a year and a half. He went out of business, gave me my last paycheck and I sold the car. So I had about $30,000 in the bank. I bought this house and then just struggled until you know, things picked up. Now here it is 18 years later. And the car has become available to me. The family called me and they said, it's time to get rid of this car. Do you or somebody you know want it? And I was like, I think I might have to take it back. Mm. I think I have to take it back. 
just to keep you have the no world, choice. Yeah, to keep the world right. <laughs> right. And it's apparently been garaged. And if I know Peter, the gentleman I sold it to, he probably drove it twice. Because mm-hmm. he's this kind of guy who's very spontaneous. He wants something, and when he gets it, he just he has it, and that's it. It's like the thrill of the chase is over. So I'm guessing Peter probably put another thousand miles on it, if that much. I'm guessing. It's in the 18 years he's had it. Now it's been garaged and it's been sitting in unexercised for 18 years, so I don't know what I'm into. But apparently, it still looks the same. And when mm-hmm. I gave the car to him, it was absolutely showroom condition car. So I don't know. I hope it's close to that still. I haven't had what a kind chance of car is it again? A 1976 Eldorado convertible. Mm. White interior wow. and, and fire thorn red with Ooh. black hubcaps, which was a, it's like if you see all the, the paperwork from that year, that was the car that they featured in all the, the booklets and the sales samples for that, for that year. It's red, white, and black. Wow. So we'll see. I don't know. So I mean, is it, it like it, a done deal? I mean, you're no, saying I, like... You're saying we'll see, but I don't buy that. No, we'll at see all. because I, I I remember talking to Peter one day at an event we were together, and he goes, "Oh, the car's really good. I just I just replaced all the rubber boots on it." And I'm like, "There's no reason you should have had to do that." He's like, "Oh no, they deteriorated." And I'm not mind like when I gave the car off, the rubber boots is that soft part between the fender and the bumper. In the '70s, a lot of the cars had that. It was like the crumple zone, so the fender could at least survive a small bump. And he said he had them all replaced and they looked perfect. So I just didn't understand why they would have needed to be replaced. So now either he had a bump and he didn't want to tell me or I don't know. So that just makes me nervous. So I said, let me see. I asked uh, his daughter called me and I said, send me some pictures when you can. So she will. Hmm. Uh, The car isn't at their home. It's at a storage unit. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll find out soon. And if it's if it's all. If it's the way I would hope to see it, I might have to get it. <laughs> I'm compelled. Are you going to get rid of any trucks or anything to get I it? Might. Yeah, I might, yeah. I, I was going to sell a couple of my trucks, and I was going to sell the little green one, and Rob's like, you can't sell that. There's no, like, the one with my name on it, so I'm like, all right, I won't sell it. Yes, yes, you can. You can. <laughs> Rob's I mean, like, no, you I just want to point that it. out. You can. <laughs> well, well, that's another project for the to maybe the to do list because uh, Art Clement, my buddy, who's an engine head who knows much more about engines than many, mostly everybody I ever met. He's like, oh, we'll do an engine swap on it because it's a six straight six. He goes, let's put a small block V8 in it, and I go, well, what else? He goes, you have to change the drivetrain and the rear axle. He goes, but that's easy. <laughs> Hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I'm like, well, if you hold my hand through it, he goes, I'll do the whole thing. You just film it. I'm like, okay, let's wow. do it. Wow. Because we'll do it in your garage. I'm like, okay. So that I might be a friends. <laughs> it might be a summer project, maybe. Good grief. So, so I, when I when I took the Land Cruiser in to get it, you know, figure out what was wrong with it, the guy and I I told the guy that I found the new engine, new old engine to put in there, and he was like, well, you know, this is the opportunity for you to do a swap if you want to. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I thought about it, but. Like, I don't know what all that would take. And he's like, well, so if you take a, you know, a crate engine and you stick it in there, there's a small adapter you have to do to this thing. And then you also have to change the transfer case and all of the steering. And then all of the electrical is different. So you also have to pull out all of the electrical that goes to the gauges. But but then the gauges are analog. So you have to take out all the gauges. (laughs) And I'm just like, good grief. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. Let's stay old school. Just a straight swap. Be done with it. I just sent you guys a picture from the internet of the exact same Oh, yeah. That's a drug dealer's car right there. (laughs) That's exactly what it looked like. It it looked like it was right off the brochure. 
Wow. That's just an internet search. That's not the same car. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine you driving. Not. I'm not trying to dissuade you at all. I think it's awesome that you have a car you like. But it's hard for me to imagine you driving a car like that around. Well, I used to be Euro trash when I lived in the city. I had a I had a garage in the city, and that car was in Manhattan with me. So, on the weekends, me and my buddies would drive around in that car, and it, like cute girls would just jump right into it, and we'd just drive around and like, "Where do you want to go? Oh, let's go to Twentieth Street." So I drive them up to Twentieth Street. They're like, "Thanks, this car is so cool." One night, we were outside a restaurant, and I, I can't remember his name. He's a guy who won an Oscar. He's an Italian guy, a very funny comedian. He did a movie about the Holocaust, and he won an Oscar. Remember him? It was right when he won the Oscar. We were outside a restaurant, and he walked up, and he goes, "It's a beautiful car. It was the guy who won the Oscar. I can't remember his name. Oh, He's for like, the piano? Are you talking about that guy? Uh, not not the piano. I don't know. He was a guy who who did the movie was about him and his son who were in the in the Holocaust or in a, in a in a concentration camp and he used comedy to keep the kid's spirit up. Oh, and he wrote and directed the movie and he won the Oscar. Anyway, that guy okay. Umberto or Umberti or whatever, he walked over to the car and he was like, "Oh my god!" And we were like, "Oh my god, it's you!" And we, we had a little <laughs> chat. He was really cute. He's a very funny guy in person. But the car was just like I was always all around Manhattan with it, all around the city. In fact, my brother. I forget. Oh, my, my brother was at a comedy club the other night, and he said he saw Tony Rock, and him and Tony Rock are old friends. It's Chris Rock's brother. And he says, he goes, John, how's that car of yours? How's that big, beautiful Cadillac of yours? And he goes, I just said it was great. And he must be thinking of me because I was driving around. We had, at the time, Tony Rock was doing, this is 20 years ago. And uh, I would drive all around the city, and my friend Steve, who knows Tony very well, I go, I must have been driving around with Steve, and he, Steve might have... He, Tony probably thought I was you. <laughs> he thought, because I vaguely remember one night we were driving around in the East Village and we saw him. So anyway, and that came up the other day. And now my brother's like, did, why does Tony Rock think I have a Cadillac? I go, because I probably saw him one night in my red Cadillac in the Manhattan. <laughs> Man, long story. Well, but if you get that car yeah. and you drive it around with a top down, looking at it right now, it says to me that you are the mayor of the place that you live. <laughs> mayor so, cheese. Yes. So, if you get that car, you, I think, are obligated to run for mayor. Or like, <laughs> yeah. At least, at least mayor. Maybe maybe governor? You could probably be a governor. Right? I think you could do that. But I'm going to have to get my own parking spot at the Milk Run. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. <laughs> you can do that. You could just make your own sign, sneak in there one night and just like plant it in the ground and Mayor McDuresta. Um, well, let's see. So I have been working on screen printing the mm. uh, last couple of days, which is pretty cool. I haven't done any printing in a long time, and this is the first time I've done it on paper. I've always screen printed T-shirts or, like, onto wood, you know, onto projects that have been made. And so this was the first time I decided to kind of redo my old screen printing video, which was very old and out of date, like, six or seven years out of date. And this time it was about um, printing posters and doing multicolor. So it was the first time I'd ever done like a three screen poster print. And the registration that I built into it to get those things lined up didn't work exactly. It didn't come through the way that I wanted it to. So I couldn't register it as, as uniformly, but it actually worked, I think with the design really well before we came up with this really textural poster design. And it's one of those things where a little bit of an offset print actually make, makes it look really, really good. Yeah, sometimes that looks great. Yeah. So 
did some of that printing this past week, which was really fun to do. It was nice to get back to that. It made me kind of want to do more of it, but I don't know. You know, I don't I don't have a lot of time to just like print for the sake of printing, but it, it was fun to to mess with again. Um, did so you did is that. that for a video? Did you do several yeah. posters? Are you gonna yeah. Are you gonna offer the posters? Up? I don't think so. I mean, it's Ooh. like it's one of those things that Ooh. I did <laughs> maybe, maybe ten or twelve. Oh, and then, then do one to twelve that worth a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody would want them, but no, oh, d- don't dare you. <laughs> I mean, they're I just like I don't know. They're just prints. I don't really value stuff like that that much. But <laughs> it was a fun thing to do. <laughs> and uh, this is great. I'll send you one. How about that? You can you can resell. I'll sell it. it. I'll okay. sell it. <laughs> um, so we did that, and then we're working on, we're just beginning to work on a, a project for a video game that I can't say anything about yet, because it's under NDA. But uh, it was a, it's an interesting, man, it's hard to talk about. I probably shouldn't have even brought it up, because I can't say anything about it. What is it's that a, game that, what is that game we all get offered? Just say that. It's not that. It's a, it's a, it's a big video game that anybody that's into the video game will be very excited about the fact that we're doing something for it. So it, we were excited because we got approached about doing this thing. But it turns out they wanted us to make a thing, a physical thing, actually two things, from a video game that doesn't exist and technically can't exist in the real world. And so it wasn't like, here's a hammer. Make a hammer that matches the game. Make a sword that matches the game. It's not like that. It's like... There's a lot of, huh, like how? How, how would, would you make like that? <laughs> how? It's like building a dream kind of thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Building, and then Building an imaginary concept. So we got some 3D models to start working with, but they are modeled for the game. So they're not high enough resolution. They're not the right scale. They don't have the textural stuff that is on the actual item. And so we had a big brainstorming session about how to make some mechanics work and some electronics work yesterday to try to emulate what happens in the game, but also basically going to have to remodel this entire thing from scratch. And it's a, we'll talk more about it, you know, as it comes together, but it's an interesting thing to have to get, have to create something that can't exist in the real world in the way that it was originally envisioned. Hmm. So, you know, it's funny when I worked at a toy company years ago, we worked at a company that had a model the uh, South Park figures. And then we went oh. through the same exact thing because mm-hmm. they licensed, they got the licensing deal, the guy I was working with, he got the licensing deal to do all the South Park figurines. This is in the in the 90s. And what exactly did the South Park figures look like in 3D? Obviously, we see them all now because the toys came out. But in the initial concept, it was, it was hard yeah. to imagine what those abstract flat figures look like in the round. And they obviously did a good job, but there was several rounds of modeling I'm sure. to interpret that. Was, that's probably more of an easier solution than what you're going through, but we, I did have to experience that because everyone's like, what does Timmy look like sitting in his wheelchair in 3D? Mm-hmm. You do have like a front and a side, so it made it a little bit easier. But Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's something that people do all the time, you know, translating stuff like that to the real world. It's just kind of a new thing for us, and so it's interesting. A little bit frustrating. We're on a, a kind of tight deadline, so you know a lot of stuff to figure out. But so that's what we're into right now. Um, I saw that our guitars all sold yesterday. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday was the the drawing, and I didn't win mine. I was really disappointed. 
Did somebody win mine? Do you happen to know? I assume somebody won all of them. I don't know. Oh, I got to get it back then. I gave it to my buddy who's a tech. I was like, this isn't yours to keep. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Chris has it, so hopefully he didn't sell it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> That'd be funny if he came back and he's like, oh, I thought you wanted me to put that on eBay. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> no, he's got it. Yeah, so they they did the drawing, all the drawings yesterday. I think they did all of them yesterday. It was on a, like a live stream. And mine is going to Arizona or something. And I was bummed because I legitimately, I bought like 30 tickets on my own guitar just so I could try to keep it. Uh, <laughs> partially so I didn't have to ship it, but also just I liked it and I kind of wanted to keep it. But I can't, so I got to send it off. So I didn't know if you guys watched that, if you knew where yours were going or who got them. I do no, not, I didn't but I'm glad to get it. The The case is in my way. There's nowhere for me to put the case. I can hang the guitar on the wall, but the case is in the way. Yeah, my case is right there on the floor taking up yeah. all that space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the guitar thing, let's see, what else? Uh, I, I didn't talk about our retreat. So we went on the retreat, mm. and I... In the previous years when we've done something like that, take the whole team away, no distractions, have some goals, things that we want to talk about, we've looked ahead pretty much the entire weekend or week or whatever we, we do. And this year, we, we looked ahead and we talked about future stuff, but we actually spent a lot more time looking back than we ever have, which was a really interesting thing to do. And especially if you're a creator or you, not necessarily a video creator, but if you create something on a regular basis long enough, it it was really interesting to look back on, we took the previous year's videos and we went through every video and we did it a, you know, a month at a time or so over the course of a few days. And we brought up the thumbnail and the title and it was just like, a, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? kind of thing to look at it and it, some of them it was very obvious to be like this just it just didn't work like the idea was not even good enough so we were starting at a disadvantage you know like it and then that caused this and that caused this and that caused this the other ones were like i mean mark rober's in it of course it's going to do well we can't you know we can't say that the video was great or that the title was perfect because mark rober's in the thumbnail that's going to make it have like a ridiculous number of views so some worked and some didn't work for very obvious reasons. But then there were a lot of other ones that were kind of right down the middle. And it was really interesting to be like, okay, well, while we were shooting this, what were the problems? Or what did we miss? Or what should we have come back and rethought about at the thumbnail stage when we didn't? And I think we ended up with some really good insight looking back at some a few very obvious patterns that came out of you know, like stuff that didn't work because of X. And I think for us, the big things were we were in a hurry and we were trying to finish it. I don't even know how many times we said that looking mm -hmm. back at the previous year's videos. We were in a hurry and we had to get it done. And that made us skip over something. It made us skip over thinking about the story ahead of time or skip over the beauty shots at the end or skip over coming up with the right thumbnail that actually explained what was happening. And other things were... We had an idea for what the thumbnail was going to portray at the beginning. We shot the video, and we never went back to reevaluate the actual presentation, you know, both in text and picture. And so a few things like that I think were really beneficial to um, how we're going to move ahead. How did you 
did you come to any conclusions where the videos that did perform well had the right number of checked attributes that gave you high performance? Because I have a, a theory, but uh, answer that question first. I mean, not not really specifically. I think for it was pretty pretty easy to see the ones that did really well. We could look at the thumbnails and be like, well, yeah. I mean, that's a like the one with me standing on the shelf. Like it's a dynamic thumbnail, just because right. no matter what you know about shelves. You see somebody standing on something that's floating above right. other stuff. You're like, well, how? It's got to be photoshopped. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you either you either <laughs> want to disprove it or you want to understand how yeah. something that you don't know. And so I think there were some things like that that were just like that was the right shot. But then right. other ones, we I don't know why it. I have no clue because I, I have this feeling that I have a feeling that you know, let's just say like the audience is the ocean and God is the algorithm. And, uh, you know, if you're fishing for fish, God will give you plenty of fish sometimes, and sometimes he doesn't. And so I think no matter what boat you have, no matter what bait you have, no matter what fishing gear you have, if the algorithm doesn't feel like giving you a school of fish to fish over, you have no idea. So mm. I feel sometimes that everything checks right that would have been perfect for 2017, but for 2023... The algorithm just isn't feeding you fish because it's just like, you know what, let's put the fish over here today. And so I feel sometimes it's a bit of a futile, futile attempt to try and make everything perfect when you're not being fed any fish no matter what you do. Just It's just, I mean, it's kind of a defeatist attitude and I'm still trudging forward and I'm still doing my, putting my best foot forward. But, you know, it's sometimes it just seems frustrating. Dave? So I went through a coaching program with a guy called Daryl Eves. He's like Mr. Beast analytics guy. Mr. Beast actually bought him a house so they could be neighbors. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of course he <laughs> How did. crazy is that, right? So I went through his coaching program, and um, I've been learning and putting things in place. And last week, or two weeks ago when we recorded, we were talking about views. And you guys were like, uh, 100,000, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, my videos rarely go over 100,000 views. Since then, my last two videos have gone over 100,000. Um, you know, the um, the last video is like 260,000. So the last two videos have really taken off. And the the tube, if uh, I, I, I hear all the time, instead of saying algorithm, say audience. Because the right. algorithm, all the algorithm wants is for it to feed people what they want to see. It's the two biggest indicators, more than anything, is the click-through rate and then the percentage watched or watched. What does that time. mean, click-through rate? I don't. Know, I never knew what that meant. So, if you, uh, um, how many people when people see the thumbnail, do they click on it or not? So there is a percentage, and if you are getting a higher click-through rate and people are watching all the way through that tells YouTube, this is a good video. It's going to spread it out to more people. And so those are like the two biggest things. And so I had a really high click-through rate on the initial video on the last two videos and um, people are watching, you know, more longer than usual it doesn't it's not sometimes it's a time-based thing but sometimes it's just a percentage-based thing so if your video is 20 minutes long are they watching up to 15 minutes or whatever and i can see from what i've learned i can see i can tell within the first couple days if the video is going to i usually can tell in the first day if the video is going to do well or not based on those two metrics so 
um, you know, as, as Bob has probably learned, uh, the, the whole team is like, it's curiosity in the thumbnail, which is different than what we used to do three years ago, four years ago, how to content was, was big. And we all thrived on, this is how you do something. And that's just not connecting with people anymore. And that's probably for a lot of reasons. And people are, in my opinion, people are watching more for entertainment. So it's more about creating that, that curiosity, getting the click and getting people to watch all the way through. So it ha- content has to be good. You're not tricking sure. the algorithm. You actually have to make good to- content. But that thumbnail is the thing that causes the click through. That is the thing. If you can't so, get past that, then the videos, yeah. even no matter how good the video is. Mm. And, and that's a, you know, it's a struggle. And we talked a lot about thumbnails and how, Certain videos, it was like, well, the thumbnail didn't work, but what would have worked? And we'd brainstorm for a little while about, you know, other options. There's some things that just are not, (laughs) they're not worth taking a picture of. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that it's hard. just, there's no way to make it really compelling unless you want to jump the shark and go, like, you know, Photoshopped eyes and googly whatever. And, like, yeah, yeah, it's just not me, so I'm not going to do that. But... All I'd say, it was a really, I think, a helpful time for us to kind of, without the pressure of, we've got to do this because it's got to be released tomorrow, to look back at the videos and say, like, what worked, what didn't, make some notes. And so as we as we move ahead, now we know that even if we're in a rush, the last step to reevaluate what the thumbnail should be trying to convey is way more important than doing it at the beginning because at the beginning that's you can plan you can hope you can you know try to make sure that you get the shot along the way but at the end just putting it online with your initial thought is not good enough like it's got to be for us it's got to be re readdressed and like made to be the right image otherwise it's, the whole thing's going to fall flat it's a lot of effort that just kind of isn't worth it you know? yeah i remember um I think it was a Collins and Samir interview with Mark Rover. And he was like, we don't shoot the intro at first because we don't know what the outcome of the video is. So a lot of times the intro is shot last. Yeah. Um, but they ha- they go in mind with like, this is what's going to happen. But that's not always what happens. And um, it almost gave me the permission to like, yeah, I don't have to worry about the intro right away. Let's let things happen and, and see. And one of the things that really stuck with me when I was in that program is I was talking about the next video I was going to do with Daryl. And, um, and he, his question was, well, how do you YouTubeify that? You know, you're just making something, but how do you, how do you turn that into a YouTube video? He, he used the word YouTubeify. And so you, it made me think a little bit different, like, oh, what is the reason people would watch this? What's compelling about this? Where's the curiosity how do I turn this into a story instead of mm-hmm. just uh, a linear, like how, how to do something like how does, and how does it fit in the overall s- scheme or arc or the, uh, 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 of the channel? Where does this video fit in? So he's like, okay, so if you make this thing, how does it connect to the next video is like, are the two related somehow? And it's always like, and it's just, um, I'm trying to think different about, mm. about the videos. And it has actually been 
uh, it's it's hard. So I'm trying to do these different videos, but I'm having more fun. I'm having way more fun making videos that things that nobody else is ever going to make. Nobody's going to make a lava lamp that looks like it's broken and it's spewing lava all over the table. <laughs> but that was so fun. And I got to use new techniques that I've never used before. And I'm using tools I don't care if the audience has because no, the audience is not going to make this. It's about yeah. why I'm making this and, and, and the learning and the fun. And so it's really kind of given me a lot of energy into my videos lately. Like I was, and I think... For me, I always need I always need a left turn. Every couple of years, something has to happen, and I have to take a left turn to, to bring back that motivation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, like, with what you were talking about there, about YouTubifying something, I think I get the idea. I also think that's kind of like a... kind of a cop-out response to... like a non-specific response to well, you should make it fit the platform. I think what he was saying was like, what's the appetite of the audience and how can you make something present well to meet the appetite of the people who are watching? But I've heard things like that where I've heard like the same idea with podcast about how do you podcastify, not those words, but <laughs> how do you, and it means like, how do you reformat something to fit the medium? Mm-hmm. And I get that, but without concrete, uh, definitions of what the medium requires or is going to work there. That's a, that's a, like if you picked up a brand new creator and you were like, Hey, YouTubeify this, like, what the heck does that mean? I'm not, I'm not digging on Daryl. I don't know him. I don't know any of the training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. But I think, uh, as, as somebody who's like trying to ingest that and figure out how to actually logistically turn that into something, you know, that you can like do, I, as I understand it, tell me if I'm wrong here. As I understand it, that means how do you reformat? How do you tailor uh, to get the same content in a package that will be immediately digestible by audience X on platform Y? Is that correct? Yeah, I I, I think so. And I went in with certain expectations, and I was wrong. I really thought mm. when I went into this program that it was going to be like, this is how you do something. This is how you tell a story. This is a step-by-step. And these are the analytics that you look at. But it was more – but I went into it, and it's more like asking open-ended questions, uh, where getting me to come up with the ideas for the videos, getting me to come up with what I think my audience wants watches because every audience is different and so like when when he says something like how do you youtubeify that you know you're not applying a formula uh, an an equation you're you're trying to figure out what that balance of what you want to make as content and what your audience wants to watch for entertainment or, or, or to learn something so it was I didn't know there was going to be so much thinking involved. I thought I was just going to take something and then just apply that. But no, it's like, oh, I got to, I have to figure this out. Well, maybe, maybe that term, maybe that's what he meant by it. Maybe he meant you Mm -hmm. specifically. Like, how? What are the the definitions for what that would mean to you and your audience? Because they would be different for me or for anybody else. So, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um. Let's see, I had another th- – oh, another another thought from us going back through all of these things was we 
decided to, and I tried to do this last time, but we never actually made it happen. I tried to plan out for the year. We tried to try plan out for the year at least one video for every month for the entire year so that we were never scrambling for what's the big thing this month that we should be working on. It's at least on the horizon. It's at least on the schedule. We can say, like, in two months we're going to do this whatever should we be ordering material for it? You know, yeah, do we need to be designed? I, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, <laughs> I I wished we could do it too, and it seemed kind of implausible. But honestly, an afternoon worth of just going through the list and you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to do this year is at other people's houses on the team and things that other people are interested in. We're trying to like branch out into those things. So, kind of brainstorming those things and saying like, okay, well, is this project? Is it inside? Because if it's inside, we should do it in the winter. If it's an outside project, we need to do it in the summer or the spring or the fall. And just that simple declaration of, like, what time of year should we do this? All right, let's put it in June. And then if it has to slip back to July or August, sure, no big deal. But there's actually a fair amount of um, of relief for me when now when I look at the schedule to at least be like, I don't have – you know, 48 weeks of content to come up with. <laughs> I have, I have something every month that we can plan on. And then I get to, rather than I have to, I get to fill in the rest of the schedule. And that's a, a different kind of feeling. I'm actually kind of excited that we did that and all are of these, it's subject to change, but yeah. Are these ideas uh, like visible? So when people go into the, the office, like you, you can constantly see what's going to happen in July or, or August and kind of yeah, let we that use, stew a little bit in your brains. We have uh, we use Airtable for all of our project management mm-hmm. and our calendar and all that type of stuff. And so we have the entire year every week built out in a big calendar list. And so you can look at that calendar and sort it a bunch of different ways. But we have all those there so we can kind of look ahead and start to plan for them. And we do a weekly meeting where we we usually talk about like production stuff for the next month or so because it's always rolling. But now that we've got that list, we can quickly run through, you know, the next couple of months and be like, all right, is there any work we need to do on that thing in June or whatever? I So um, I have a question for Jimmy. But before I get to that mm-hmm. question for Jimmy, mm-hmm. um, I've over the years, I've just had at least 100, 150 ideas for video projects. And a lot of them are like, how to do this? 10 ways to do this 10 you know and i've recently thrown out all of those because i have this new idea of how i want to make videos and so it feels like i'm out of ideas because i'm starting completely over um and and i'm not out of ideas i'm just trying to rethink of how how i to make videos but um i thought i remember one time jimmy uh, seeing a door or a wall with like dozens of post-it notes are you still doing that yeah, well, I was did in my New York City shop. We had the back of the door covered with post-it notes. And I was really bad at updating them. Every once in a while, I'd look at them, and I'm like, half of those projects are done and published, and I'd pull them all down. <clears throat> and then we started, me and Brett tried to do one in this shop, and then more recently, me and Rob did one on the back of the door with magnets. And then I recently collected them all because my traffic pattern, my personal traffic pattern, is no longer going to the big shop down the block as much because of the weather. In the summer, I'll go there. Because the back shop. So now I have this big pack. I pulled all the cards off of the back of that door on the magnets, and I have them here. So every once in a while, I just go through. And this many is ideas, if you notice. And 
there was just like a glitch in the matrix and they he just disappeared. disappeared. That was so crazy. Looking. <laughs> like you were there, you were there, and then you were not there. You didn't stand uh, up. You just like disappeared. Max headroom. It disappeared. Um, awesome. So I have this pack of cards here, and I have the you know the blank cards are the ones that don't have the rubber band around them, and the ones with the band are the uh. ones that are filled in. So I'm going through those when I need an idea. And I do want to do a battle board and put them up on the wall, but I just can't decide which wall to do that on. Hmm. So I, for now, I just keep them in the pack of cards. I found um, you can get blank playing cards. And so yeah, those, they're, 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 like the, they're the perfect size. So I'm going to do somewhat of that, but um, just have them in, in slots and I can easily move them around. I, I've, I've done the digital thing. Um, Trello and air. T- I've done Trello and Airtable and just notes. I think I need something physical. I need to be able to see yeah, it. And I, I need to, I need to be able to walk by it because if it's in the app, I'll never open the app. That's my problem. Yeah, I think if it were just me or you know me and somebody else having a physical thing like that would be great. But with like multiple locations and multiple sense. people, yeah. and you know, it's we got to have it centralized. And there's always an ongoing list in my notes app. That's sure. just like me, like the impulse to write something down. So that's always there. One of the interesting things that, uh, so in our project management thing, we had it built a certain way. And then one time last year, Forby and, and Josh completely rebuilt it. They rethought about it and built the entire new structure and then like brought it to me. And we're like, okay, this is how we're doing it now, which is really good. But one of the cool things about it is that it it separates contents pieces of content and builds where they can be connected, but they're not necessarily. And then you have this list of builds that can then be kind of categorized by completeness. And so there's a way to go in here and look at like, here are one line ideas that have no context. You know, it's like where I was typing in my notes. It'd be like, you know, I don't know, some random aquarium tube, you know, like what the heck does that mean? That's all I had at the moment. And there's other ones that are the title plus some rough ideas plus some kind of, you know, categories. Is it a woodworking thing? Is it a metalworking thing? Whatever. The stage of it. So you we can, like, add details to it. And because it's all digital, we can sort by different levels of completeness. And so it makes it easy when we're going to put stuff on the schedule. We just go to the list that's like, which ones are at 75% thought through? There they are. Now we can pick from those. We don't pick from the like aquarium tube because it doesn't have enough information to be yeah. reliable or realistic. So, you know, there's advantages to to that. There's also absolutely advantages to having them on pieces of paper that you can like move around, take with you, and whatever. But I think I just have to change it up every once in a while because I need some sort of pattern interrupt because I just get used mm-hmm. to one thing and then it becomes I'm blind to it. You know, I mm-hmm. see if I see this thing on the wall every day for three years. I no longer see that thing on the wall, and so I got to do something different. Yeah, that's that's what happens when I put lists on the wall. So this having this little pack of cards around me, and then I get intimidated to look through them. So I'm forcing myself to pick them oh. up and just look through them because I'm like, why is that? Because it's just a lot of work. It represents a lot of physical. Work. <laughs> is yeah. there is there an anxiety to to seeing them? There's an anxiety to everything. <laughs> Yeah. To be perfectly honest. You guys know that. That's yeah. funny. I, I had a conversation with my therapist yesterday, and he just he, he said, this is something I need to figure out. But I'll take on a project. I get excited about it. Then there's this fear of, oh, my God, why did I say yes to this? Mm-hmm. And then there's like, how am I ever going to do that? And then you look at it, and you go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And you're like, oh, that was easy. And you're like, wow, that's done. 
So that is that is the creative process. I saw something recently, and I wish I screen grabbed it because it was like, wow, that's a great project. Like the the four stages of the artist. It's like, wow, that's oh, yeah, a great yeah. project. Yeah, I'll do that. You're such a piece of garbage. Who do you think you are? Oh my <laughs> yeah. god! Wow, that was great. You know, it's, it's the like best the, thing I've ever done. I hate this. It's like yeah. that little loop. That <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder if there's a topic in there, lessons that we don't learn that we wish we would learn because <laughs> we don't, we don't learn from that. And we just go through mm. the same thing over right and over down. again. Well, that's kind of, I, mean, I don't remember what conclusion me and my therapist came to, but I was just like, I'm sure I'm just going to do the same thing over and over. It's what I've been doing for 40 years. Yeah. You're like, wow, that's awesome. I'll do that. Wow. Why did I say I was going to make a third guitar? Oh my God, this is grueling. Well, I mean, it's funny, like you can say that loop and it sounds self-defeating and stuff, but there's a reason that that's a meme. There's a reason that that is so ubiquitous with creative people that it became a list that got passed around yeah. as a joke. Because that's how people work, you know? Yeah, and no, that's maybe why that's, when, like, my therapist thought that there was some sort of solution to this, I'm like, it's not, this is just how I am. Yeah, just like I don't I know am. that it needs a solution is what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe it does, yes. I don't know. Yes, not all my problems need to be fixed. Every single time, you know, I'm constantly promoting the idea of stepping out of your comfort zone. And so every time I'm like, whoa, I'll restore a boat that's been sitting in the weather for 10 years. Sure. And then again, I'm like, what did I do this for? But you know what? I'm going to be challenged with 50 things that I didn't know or needed to be added to the quote because now I'm doing open heart surgery on this thing. We literally pulled up the deck last night to see just like mushy wood. And we're like, oh, boy. But that's why we challenge ourselves so we get better at problem solving. Sure. How many times have you like told somebody, uh, you know, an, an issue or a problem that you're having, and then they try to come up with solutions, and you're like, "No, I don't." Yeah, that's I don't cool, but I don't want a solution. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I hold a lot of stuff in verbally for that exact reason. I don't yeah. want you to brainstorm something for me. I just mm-hmm. haven't gotten to it yet, or yeah. it's not actually a problem. I just need to get through it. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I hope I don't do that to you guys because I probably do. But I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's 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 human nature it. to want to help people solve people's problems. So yeah. I'm I'm sure people have told me things that they're going through, and I'm like, oh well, you just got to blah 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 blah, and they're like, they don't want to hear that. I think I'm good at this. I could be wrong, but I think I wait and don't say anything, and then I say, I have an I, I have an idea. Do you want to hear it? I don't want to mm. force it on you if you don't want to hear uh, it. And Oh, sure. You know, because then everyone's being like, yeah, yeah, let me hear it. And then they're like, they're like I thought of that. I'm like, oh, I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jenny and I have had to do that over the years. I mean, we've been married for almost 21 years. And we have gone through all the different variations of like, you know, I'm going to say something so that you will help me. I'm going to say something. I don't want you to help me. I'm, you know, all of that. And, of course, I'm not great at it all the time. But I do think that I've, Jimmy, like you have gotten better at just like, she's talking, that means I need to shut up and just listen. And then I will ask her if she wants a response and then, you know, try to, you know, like sometimes she just wants to say it out loud and Mm -hmm. I need to be there to be said to. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a practice thing for sure. Yep. Uh, we didn't get to the topic that we were going to talk about, but I think that was good. But we have that topic we were going to talk about and Dave's new one. Do we remember what it is? Dang it! I have the first one we were going to talk about. Uh, what do we just What do we just say? Oh, man. It's recorded. We can go back and listen. Yeah, to we it can go back. We won't, but we could. Well, uh, you guys something got anything else on this before? I wrap something it up? about a process. Something. So, something. Something. It's, oh, yeah, it's prob- usually something about process. Uh, yeah. Problem um, solving. What do we learn? Nothing. Yeah. Um, Write things down. 
things that we wa- we should learn, but we never learn. We keep learn. doing. We, we keep, we keep doing. doing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna write it down. Things. I feel like it was said better the we, the, the first time. Well, good thing we hit recording it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, oh, I forgot to hit record. That's okay. all right. Cool. Just well, <laughs> I'm gonna thank our Patreon supporters. While you guys lessons we don't learn that we should learn. That's the title yes. of this one. I have to write that down again. I already wrote the simpler <laughs> thing. Lessons we don't learn but should. Okay. Uh, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, especially, we have a new one this week, but we also have top supporters. But our new one is Bill Burkle. Welcome, Bill. Um, actually, we had a few new ones this week. That was the first one that came up. Um, but welcome to the few people that joined. And big thanks to our top supporters over there. Uh, we have people at all different levels. And everybody gets the after show, no matter you know if it's a dollar or whatever. Um, we're just glad that you're there. You get the after show. It's another podcast that you get to listen to uh, separately than this. And there's that group of people that goes above and beyond that they don't have to, but they do. And it means a lot. So big thanks to Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Rich at Low End Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Scott Orem, who won one of the guitars yesterday. I saw his name in the the chat. I don't know which guitar it was, but I saw that. He was like, that's me. Uh, Warren Works, Michael Menegin, Gretchen Hofer, and the Web Ranch Woodworks. So they are... Above and beyond, and we're really grateful for that support. You can join that crew. You can help us out. You can send us messages, all that stuff through Patreon uh, by going to patreon.com slash making it and help out the show. We mm-hmm. would appreciate it mm-hmm. very, mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a cool thing to recommend, but I'm going to let you guys go first. What you got? Okay. Um, I'm going to go, and I've, I've probably recommended them three or four times. I don't care. Uh, Andrew Klein. Uh, I just um, I just installed the Andrew Klein Twin Turbo Bench Vice on my workbench. Oh, awesome! It is a it is a thing of beauty. It is it is art. Just to watch all the gears work and all the gears serve a purpose. It's it's not to look pretty. It's it's it has a transmission in there, so it has a high speed and a low speed. And I got I bought it last summer and i finally just now installed it uh, i i got I, I i put my old bench vice on something else that's not in the shop and i've been without a bench vice for six months and it's just been driving me nuts and i've been busy and haven't had a chance and then last week i'm like ah i need to do this right now so let's just get it out let me put it in my way so it's a constant mm-hmm. reminder and i it didn't even take that long to install i don't know why i waited so long it is absolutely <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, something else that Andrew made is, I don't know how to describe this, but this is a hidden screw. So this looks like a piece of metal, and I'm assuming it's cut with EDM. And so it has this, like if you press on there, you can kind of see how that indents. So it's this special screw takes a special tool. Yeah. takes a special uh, tool to unlock that. It locks in with magnets and then i could unscrew this so i haven't figured out how to put this into a project but uh it is he's he's so brilliant with his ideas and his designs that he deserves he's to be recommended one of the best inventors times. in our yeah. community. so that thing you just showed what is the use case for that like what is he 
Yeah, I, he, he, I think in his original video, he's like, I don't know what the use case is. That's, oh, that's up to wow. you guys to figure out. Yeah. So if, uh, if I built this into a piece of wood and the wood was level with this here, there would be no way to open yeah. this up and get inside or unlock or, or do whatever without that tool. Wow. So. Yeah. EDM, a, is, that what, is that the process used to make that, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, wire, wire EDM. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> a couple things quickly. The the pencil sharpening uh, cavalcade of videos. Of this whole jokey thing about pencil sharpening. I want to give full credit to Keith Drennan and uh, uh, the Working Hands podcast because they came up with it first. Keith and Tony came up with it during one of their episodes, and the hashtag is W. HP Woodworker, and that's they started this pencil sharpening thing. It's something that came up on one of their episodes, and I saw it going around. And the other night, I went to grab a pencil, and I was like, I have to sharpen it. And I'm like, Oh, these guys did this pencil sharpening thing. Let me do one of the videos sharpening my pencil on the table saw. It's a thought that I had every time I saw someone doing a pencil. So I did it, and then immediately everyone started doing it. Then I did another one, and everyone's doing more, and then it, and now it's becoming credited to me, and it's not credited to me. It's the Working Hands podcast came up with it, and I just jumped in late, and I revived it. But check that out, and you'll see on my Instagram stories. <clears throat> and um, also wanted to also see let everybody know i did a sticker swap and i got about 300 maybe more I, the mail still comes in every day at 11 i go and empty my p.o box and there's usually about one inch worth of letters every day um the uh i'm mailing them back out i'm doing a sticker swap people give me stickers i'm giving out the sticker of the stained glass maker man and i'm collecting all those stickers and at the blackthorn we're doing a resin class that's going to be it's it's in my posts uh, as of today, as if you guys are going to hear this at this moment, but I'll be promoting it. It's the end of February at the Blackthorn Makerspace. It's going to be uh, it's going to be involved with uh, uh, Total Boat and Dre Crafts with Dre is going to be a teacher. But I'm going to do a, a resin pour of a big table covered with stickers. So we're going to do the Maker Community sticker resin cast table at that event. So that's it. Just want to let everybody know. So I'll make a video of it, but that's going to be happening live during that event. If anybody comes, you can sign up. There's a few class spots left. That's at the end of February at the Blackthorn Resort. They're making a makerspace. Austin and uh, a couple of people on his team are making a makerspace so we could have classes throughout the winter at the Blackthorn cool. underneath one of the buildings. And it's a great makerspace, and I've been helping a little bit out there. So that's it. I'm done. Very cool. Um, mine is a video that I just randomly ran across and I've always loved the Ford GT, the car. Mm -hmm. And so it caught the thumbnail caught my eye. And this video is by Benjamin workshop. It's got 7.2 million views and it is called 4,000 hours to build my dream car in 17 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, I saw that video pop up. Oh my Did you watch it? No, not yet. I just, mind-blowing to me this guy builds a ford gt with like a kit body i mean he has the like a fiberglass body for the thing he builds a ford gt from scratch like starts with square tube he has the engine 
I, I don't know where he got the engine. And he has a like a scan, a 3D scan of the engine, and he brings it into Fusion or whatever he's working in, and he starts modeling the car around the, this like mesh of an engine. Hmm. Builds the whole thing out in square tube, in and then starts building it, and he ends up with this absolutely beautiful, drivable, fast, finished-looking car. It, I'm skimming through it now. This is ridiculous. You should watch the entire thing because okay. it's. I, <laughs> like, I was speechless watching it. I don't even understand, you know, how you would think that far into it. And and it, there's no talking. It's just a time lapse of the thing. So like, I don't have any idea what his process was. Like, where maybe he had tons of help with it, or you know, there's a community that does this. I have no idea. But like, I love that car. It is a. It's is a piece it's of iconic. art. It's beautiful. And f- for him to just start with nothing and get to it, it was. Hmm. It made me feel like, okay, I can take a Carmagee and rip it down and rebuild it back. <laughs> I like, I'm not starting from scratch. I have the video. YouTubers the make it look so easy. <laughs> yeah, like I, it gave me a little hope because I, if somebody can do that, I mean, obviously he's got a ton of skill, and you know he uses a lot of different stuff in it, but it is really incredible. I would highly recommend watching it um let's see the other one is just a buddy of ours trust and trim trust and oh, yeah. trust and timber yeah uh peter mckinnon shot a video of him out in the woods doing his thing building a cabin and it's a beautiful video but it was really cool to see him just being being showcased for doing what he already does i mean like yeah Trustin's amazing yeah Trustin came to my new york shop with his wife Eight years ago to come visit? Mm. Seven years ago? Eight years ago? It's amazing. It's So much time has passed. I haven't seen him since uh, Boston, I guess. Yeah. That's, we saw him at the 100 thing. But anyway, it was really cool to see, just, you know, see him get some love on like yeah. a, a big channel. And, and Peter made a really amazing video about what he does. And it's completely silent. There's no talking in it, no music. Um, it was very I got to cool. check that out. I didn't know Peter did yeah. that. It's 12 minutes long. And it is just quiet, but it's nice. So that's what I got. You guys got anything else for today? That's it. I got a, I got a, an interesting thing to tell you guys in the after show. Ooh. All right. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm glad to be back. Thank and you. Uh, we will see you next week. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Love you.